Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. He might have, but still, the fact remains, for a musician, he was able to do what he loved right up until, you know, he reached the doorstep. Right. He never had those years where he had to look back and go, oh, I wish. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, Rock School Radio Network, and we're going to do a remembrance show today. My wife has stepped aside. We have a guest in the studio. When you think of New Orleans, when you think of the people who started the New Orleans sound, many names come to mind, but there's always those names that rise to the top, those that are the cream of the crop. The New Orleans sound. Let's think of names. Professor Longhair Bird, he has passed away. Cosmo Matassa, he has passed away. And now on November 10th, at the age of 77, Alan Toussaint has passed away. These three men may be more responsible, and this is an argument we can have, but these three men may be more responsible for the sound of New Orleans music than just about anybody else. And again, this is an argument we can have, but I'm on the radio and I'm here with a guest. Dave Perricone is in the studio with me. And I don't have you here just to be a commentator. You knew Alan Toussaint, did you not? Absolutely. Now, where did you meet him? I met him in 1983 at C. Saint Recording Studios, the studio he owned. Now, this wasn't just, hi, how are you? I'm Dave Perricone. Goodbye. You worked for him. You were an employee of his, yes? I was. I, uh, I walked in off the street because I didn't know you weren't supposed to walk in off the street. <laughs> Being a dumb kid has, <laughs> has helped you on so many levels. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. was, I was a 15-year-old kid in high school, and I walked in off the street. And uh, when you walked in see St. Studio, there was a little reception area. Well, there was no one there. So I started just walking down the hall. And this tall gentleman, immaculately dressed, met me in the hall and basically said, kid, what are you doing here? Right. And uh, from there, I basically just told him, I want to learn, sir, what the guy behind the glass is doing. I want to learn how to do that. Right. And he gave you a job. He gave me a job. I mean, it's a little longer story than that, but he actually gave me a job. And it turns out that man was was Alan Toussaint. How about that? So for an hour, we're going to celebrate the life of Alan Toussaint. Again, if you're not from the great state of Louisiana, it's hard to talk about and explain and understand the impact that he has or had now on the music of Louisiana. And Dave is here. Dave knew him. You know him. You've known him for a very long time. Over 30 years. Over 30 years. And hopefully we can uh, use your insight to uh, get more of an idea of who the man was and uh, 
do a wonderful little sort of goodbye here on Rock School for him. Let's play a song by Alan Toussaint, performed by Alan Toussaint. Most people know this song by Glenn Campbell. Hi, yes. I'm Glenn Campbell. Alan Toussaint wrote Southern Nights, which I believe was Glenn Campbell's biggest hit. Absolutely. I know he did Wichita and all sure. those things, but I believe Southern Nights was his biggest. This is Alan Toussaint and how he imagined the song. And it is dramatically different. Oh, big time. Right. In fact, Alan Toussaint wrote this, and he said he lived this song, and this song is basically a a reflection of that. All right. Sounds like this on Rock School. Out of Southern Nights, Alan Toussaint, a little different than the uh, Glenn Campbell version, ladies and gentlemen. Quite now, a bit different, yeah. I, I knew of him, and being from Louisiana, I probably knew of him a lot more than you know people around the around the nation, but I wasn't his friend, I wasn't his employee. How did his death hit you, Dave? Absolutely in shock. In fact, uh, I didn't I had no idea the man was even sick. It it caught me totally off guard well he wasn't well that's just it right when you look at how he passed and you know looking at how a person passes somebody might say well this is really macabre what you're doing i don't think it is as jim morrison said no one gets out alive right i mean we're all gonna go through this he dies at 77 after a concert in Madrid, November 10th, and that meant that he was in full mind, full body, full everything, able to put on a full, I'm guessing, hour-and-a-half, two-hour concert. Right, on top of his game. Right, and when he's done, that night has a massive heart attack and passes on the way to the hospital, so right. it's something that went very quickly. Yes. Right. And, you know, you let people make the statement, he never knew it happened. He might have, but still, the fact remains, for a musician, he was able to do what he loved right up until, you know, he reached the doorstep. Right. He never had those years where he had to look back and go, oh, I wish. Right. And he wasn't working and touring because he had to either. Believe me, the man had uh, a few coins in his possession. Well, you looked up his worth, didn't you? Absolutely. You can look this up online. The man was worth, the day he died, $215 million. That's enough. He's probably not having much trouble making the ends meet. Yeah. (laughs) So he... He was doing this because he absolutely loved doing it. Sure. And we're going to get into this as the show goes on. He wasn't just a performer. He was an author. He was a record label executive. He was a person who wrote songs. He was a person who produced songs and on and on and on. If there was an area of the music industry, Alan Toussaint was involved in it. Absolutely. And he was one of the nicest, 
most generous people I've ever known. We're going to talk about that here in a minute because the story of how you got the job at Sea Saint Studios is absolutely wonderful. Let's play another song. This is by Lee Dorsey. You may not know this version. You probably know, I say you as in the audience, uh, the the version you probably know is is by the Pointer Sisters. Yes, we can, can. But down here, the Lee Dorsey version, that's the local one. It's the right. one a lot of people go, oh, okay, that's the one I know. Yes, we can, can here on Rock School. Yes, we can. Can't. Lee Dorsey here on Rock School. Tell the story, Dave Perricone, of you getting hired. Now, we already know you just simply, like a, you know, a dumb kid, walked into Sea Saint Recording Studio like you're walking into a 7-Eleven to buy a Slurpee. Right. Hi, I want a job. Now, yeah. pick it up from there. Yeah, and actually, I wasn't even looking for a job. I just wanted to learn how recording studios worked. In fact, I told this big tall man in the hallway and i didn't know who he was still (laughs) i told him i said i said sir i'm not looking for pay or anything else like that i just want to learn how this this uh, job works and i just want to sit in and learn that's all i want to do and he said he said son you got a lot of guts coming in here you're not supposed to walk in this place i said sir i'm sorry I'll, i'll leave if you want and he said no kid follow me wow and so I went in there, walk in his office, and there's gold and platinum records on the wall. And God, Dave, nobody else has this story. It, well, things like that used to happen, I guess, back in the old days. It doesn't happen anymore. But man, but, anyway, keep going. Yeah, and there's there's a and he actually had a name, one of those little name plates on his desk. You know, the little wooden ones with the little brown sure. plates. It said Alan, Alan Toussaint. Toussaint, and that's when it hit me who I was talking to. Yeah, and that's when I got nervous. And uh, he says, I tell you what, son, it takes a lot of guts to come in here where you're not supposed to come and ask somebody to do something that you're not supposed to ask them to do. He says, I tell you what I'll do. He says, I'll give you a job. He says, and I'll let you learn how to do that. But you're going to you're going to clean the toilets and Uh you're going to sweep the floors and you're going to put the trash out and you're going to make coffee. I said, yes, sir, I'll do all that. But while I'm not doing those other things, can I learn what that guy behind the glass is doing? Yes, sir. And, and he said, absolutely. He says, you're a young kid. I'm, I'm assuming you're in, in high school. I said, yes, sir. And he says, so I guess you can only work weekends, right? I said, yes, sir, that's correct. He says, not a problem. He says, and I'm assuming you have parents, right? I said, yes, sir. He says, I'm going to have to call your daddy and make sure this is okay. He wanted everything to be above board. So I gave him my parents' phone number, and he told me when I could start. And I left, went home. By the time I got home, my daddy said, was that actually Alan Tucson who just called my <laughs> oh house a my few minutes ago? God, you're kidding me. You're, you're killing me. I said, yeah. He says, congratulations, son. You got your first job. Wow. My first job was cleaning toilets at a Burger King. I cleaned toilets at Sea Saint Studio. I And for that, I hate you. And for <laughs> that, I hate you. Unbelievable. Tell us what hand Alan Toussaint had in LaBelle and Lady Marmalade. Well, 
that was, of course, before my time there. Yes. But really, he was really producer and arranger on it. Mm-hmm. He didn't write it or anything else like that. Right. But it was recorded at Sea Saint. Boy, they had some great stuff there. Some some incredible musicians went through there. But that was his job on it. He he produced it and arranged it. Arranged the horns and things like that, I believe, right. on it. He was a great arranger, great producer. So he sort of Play-Doh shaped the sound of what this thing is. He kind of decided yeah. what how it went together, yes. So if this had gone to another studio, it would be the same song. It would just sound differently. It probably would sound totally different. Excellent. Yeah. LaBelle on Rockstar. <laughs> I thought I knew most of these stories because I, you know, you had related most of these to me. But this one, you told me while you know the LaBelle song was playing. Tell the audience your first recording, I guess, session there at Sea Saint. Who did you watch being recorded? That would have been Aaron Neville. I was. I'm, I'm beginning to hate you more and more as this show goes on. Aaron to, Neville. It's good to be the king. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> no, my first recording session, which would have been about two weeks after my first meeting with uh, Mr. Allen, was recording. Well, I wasn't recording anything. I was kind of absorbing like a sponge. Sure. Just sitting in the control booth with Reginald, who is Alan Toussaint's son. Yes. Recording Aaron Neville. Tell us about the setup of Sea Saints. Uh, you were there in the 1980s. Yes. Still tape, I assume. Nothing but tape. And that was yeah. uh, that was two-inch wide analog tape on these big old 10-inch reels. Very heavy, believe me, I know. Because in those days, my first job doing that was what they would call a tape op, mm-hmm. which meant basically I changed the tapes out on the on the recorder. You know, the old days, the tape op would actually start and stop. You were the remote control for the engineer. You're not the there days, yet, kid. Right. Well, yeah. no. It, that, by the time I got there, they had remote controls for the tape machines. Oh, I see. But I would actually, in the first session, they taught me how to thread the tape through the machine. Mm-hmm. And I ended up doing that on the second session. But, yeah, big old heavy Ampex. No. Well, they weren't Ampex yes, machines? Yes, actually, oh, they were. No, no, okay. no, no. They were Studer machines. Studer 24-track, 2-inch tapes, but we were using Ampex 456 tapes. Wow. Do you remember what the song was that he recorded? Was it a hit? Would it be something we would know? I don't remember the song, You don't remember honestly, the song? No. Yeah, that's too bad. Because you, you, those first things, you know, I used to work for Sam Phillips. That was one of my radio stations was owned by Sam Phillips. Oh, cool. I had like a four-hour dinner with the man. And I can hate you, too. Yeah, and why to this day I didn't grab a Sun record, because there was a ton of them lying around, why I didn't grab one and say, you know, Mr. Phillips, sign this. Absolutely. I still want to punch myself in the head for it, but you had a, you know, a much longer you know, time for that. So you said that you know, every time we see a picture of Alan Toussaint that he is just immaculately dressed. He was and, just, and not just a sports shirt. You say it's that way, or it was that way, constantly. This wasn't. This isn't an air he's putting on for the for the photographer. Oh no, no, no. He was always not necessarily always like in a suit and tie, but he was always just perfectly pressed. I'm Mister Wrinkled Cotton walked walking in. I could be in a suit and be wrinkled wrinkled up. He would be in always a button up shirt, not necessarily a tie, but it would always be so perfect. 
<laughs> he always just had this elegant air about him. It was just, it was just so perfect. And uh, the way he carried himself, he was always, you know, they say dress for success. That's how he always looked. Yeah. And he, obviously he was pretty successful. He was the boss. He was the boss. No two ways about it. Right. Now he was, he had a partner named Marshall Seahorn in his, uh, in his recording studio, but I never really had much contact with, uh, Marshall Seahorn. He was very rarely around, but Alan Toussaint was around the sea, uh, around Sea Saint quite often. So that's the when they say this is his studio. It's not just I'm I'm Toussaint. I'm going to slap my name on it. He was there. He, he really was, did it. He was there a lot because yeah. he produced a lot of stuff. He didn't Superb. engineer, but he was a producer quite often. Super. We got to take a one minute break. We'll be back in just a minute on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, Dave Perricone, I have a trivia question for you. Which is? Right. Now, here in New Orleans, one of the most famous families is the Nevilles. Right. Right. Aaron being the one that nationally is known. Right. Right. The very, very large man with the sort of angelic falsetto voice. That's right. Right. Everybody knows. Tell it like it is. Right. right. Fine. Who is, and this is what kind of screws people up, who is Naomi Neville? Naomi Neville would yes. be Alan Toussaint's mother. Right. That was her maiden name. However, keep going. That is a pseudonym that he used, Mr. Alan Toussaint used in his early days of writing. Right, because he was both an author and a producer. That's correct. And to continue writing music under a secondary name. Now, it has nothing to do with the Neville brothers. That's why I brought that thing up in the in the in the front. Correct. There's no relation to the Neville brothers between Alan Toussaint, his mother, and the Neville brothers. I don't know if they're related or not, honestly. That I found that there was no relation, but when you see Naomi Neville, that's Alan Toussaint. Right. Who wrote the song. That's exactly right. Right. And if somebody looks at it and goes, oh, well, Aaron must have a sister or a mother or an aunt or something. Nope. That's Alan Toussaint. Right. Writing under a pseudonym. That's exactly so right. under that pseudonym, he wrote a slew of music. All you have to do is sort of look up songs by Alan Toussaint and boom, out there they come. I mean, right. it just sort of avalanches out of the computer. But if you do the same with songs by Naomi Neville... It does the exact same thing, and one sort of rises to the top, and it's called Fortune Teller. That's right. And you told me that was your parents' favorite song? Well, they used to listen to that quite a bit when I was a kid, yeah. Who was the the original recording, the New Orleans guy that did it? Do you remember his name? Benny Spellman. Benny Spellman, right. Now, that's not the one that a lot of people would know outside of New Orleans. That was sort of the regional hit here, and was that on, was that on his, his being uh, um, uh, Alan Toussaint's label? I believe so. Minute Records. Yeah, Minute Records, so, right. Yeah. Okay. The reason most people would know Fortune Teller is it became sort of a big thing with the British Invasion bands. Right. It was done by the Yardbirds, the Hollies, the Mersey Beats. It's on uh, The Who Live at Leeds. That's 
That's right. So many British invasion bands did it, including who had the biggest hit with it. The Rolling Stones, baby. The Rolling Stones, baby. Here it is. Fortune Teller by Naomi Neville, which is really Alan Toussaint. I feel like I'm doing seven degrees of Kevin Bacon here. That's right. Sounds like this on Rock School. Let's do a real quick break because I want to play a real short song. This one sticks in my brain because I know it. Do you know the song by Al Hurt called Java? Absolutely. Sure. And so does everybody else. If you're sitting out there going, I don't know that song. Yes, you do. If you have ever watched The Muppets, you know this song. Everybody watches The Muppets. Of course. Or has watched The Muppets. Quincy Jones's Jazz. For some reason, these two things. Do you ever have songs that for some reason are on the same brain cell? Yep. Right. Quincy Jones's jazz, you know, because it's the theme to uh, Austin Powers. Right. Blah, 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 blink, blah, 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 blink. Right. This one by Al Hurt, Java, and Quincy Jones's jazz are on the same brain cell to me because they are sort of the quintessential instrumental that came out. And again, welcome to radio. Welcome to talking about music. Feel free to fight with me. <laughs> but in my brain, this is the quintessential instrumental of Alan Toussaint. Yes, no? Yeah, I agree with that. Right. What hand did he have in Java? Well, he absolutely wrote Java. <laughs> well, there you go. Was it recorded at Sea Saint? No, it wasn't. It wasn't recorded at Sea Saint. It was written before Sea Saint was open. Sea Saint wasn't uh, built until around 1973. Okay. And this was recorded uh, several years before that. There you go. And if you say you don't know Java, yeah, you do. Yeah, you're lying if you say you don't know. Yeah. It. Okay. When the song's over. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that one. Sounds like this on Rock School. Play one more song before the break here. Alan Toussaint was born in New Orleans, January 14th, 1938. As we said, he lived 77 years. He grew up in a little section of mid-city known as Girt Town and was a piano player, in his own words, in the vein of Professor Longhair. Yeah. That's who he wanted to be. That's exactly right. Sure. He was discovered by a guy named Dave Bartholomew. So go ahead. Who's Dave Bartholomew? Can you do it? Well, he was the guy that discovered Alan Toussaint. That's, yes, you're right. He was also the, uh, the producer for what other fantastic piano player? Can you come up with that? No, I can't. Fats Domino. Fats Domino. I've That's heard right. Him. Yeah, they call him the Fat Man. The Fat Man. He was uh, he Alan Toussaint was a session player for Fats Domino and a whole bunch of other players at the time. I always find that interesting when you are a pianist, and I I, I get it that Toussaint also played guitar. But if you're a piano player and you are a session player for a piano player, you are a great piano player. You would think so. Yeah. You'd think so. Says here, he, Alan Toussaint, worked mainly for Joe Banishak's Minute Records and Instant Records, but after Minute was sold, he, Toussaint, teamed up with Marshall Seahorn, starting their own record label known as 
Two C. There you go. T O U from Toussaint and S E A from Marshall Seahorn. Alan Toussaint served in the Army between 63 and 65, came back, picked up where he left off, and in 1973, in Gentilly, opened up what studio? Sea Saint Recording Studio on Clematis Street in That's New right. Orleans. And a dumb kid walked in not too long after that and asked, hey man, can I have a job? And that kid's name was? David Perricone. There you go. Here is Alan Toussaint one more time in his own words. Everything I do gonna be funky. And it's his version. This is him singing. It's Alan Toussaint on Rock School. Coming into the second break here on Rock School, I asked you when uh, when he passed away if you would do the show, and I said, please come up with two or three great stories about uh, Alan Toussaint, and you say you have a story about when you were able to spend some time alone with him after a recording session. Go ahead. Tell us what happened. Yeah, this was probably a good, a good year or so after I started working there. I was engineering a session that he was producing. It was, it was somebody local. It wasn't anything big. But after the session, he just uh, he, he said, Dave, can you stick around a little longer? I said, yeah, sure, Mr. Allen, no problem. And he wanted to just get on the piano and start doing some basic chord progressions because he was trying to drum up some songs, like, is what it was. It's roll tape, huh? Yeah. And he says, can you come record the piano? And I said, sure. That's, that's what it was, just me in the control booth and him on that piano Everything else, the place was basically dark, and it was just magical, absolutely magical, just sitting there watching him work, watching him come up with that, because I had never seen him do that before. The only thing I had ever really experienced with him was was him producing, uh, being in a control booth, and he, went, he wasn't a, necessarily a control booth producer. He would... He would Sure, be in the control booth, but then when the take was over, he went out into the studio with the musicians and talked with them one-on-one. He was great like that. Well, that was his person. He wasn't a behind-the-scenes guy. He was a musician. Absolutely. Yeah. But just sitting there with him, just him and I, and watching him just try to come up with things and, and, and doing chord progressions. And every now and then he would, and it was just a mic on the piano and a mic on, uh, you know, for his vocal. And he wasn't really coming up with anything any lyrics or anything like that but every now and then he would just start singing one of his older songs just just playing if i do the math correctly you were 16 at this point yeah i probably would have been about 16 yeah now that you're a much older person i was a man sure sure but now that you're a much older person i mean you can you can remember it as a you know a reminisce and and it's it's such it's so magical did you understand at 16 years old what you were watching no, I don't think I did. I really don't think I did. Now that I look back on it, though, right. yeah, that was a that was a real special moment. Yeah, it's you don't understand it at the time. No, I don't. I, yeah. I didn't. I wish maybe I would have been a little bit older. But honestly, if I thought about this the other day, when I walked into that studio, if he would have said no to the job, or if he just said, "Get the hell out of here, kid," yeah, go on, split. My life may have taken a totally different course. Right. 
I just, I'm so thankful and grateful to that man. Amazing. We got to take a break. One minute. We'll be back on Rock School. All right, coming out of the break, here's another band out of New Orleans that was really instrumental. Huh? You like the way I use that word? Instrumental. That's right, good. with Alan Toussaint. As a matter of fact, they started as the house band for Sansu Enterprises, which was Alan Toussaint's early record label. The Meters. Yeah. Yeah. And if if you're not from here, if you're, if you're from here, this is sort of the local heroic band. Yeah, very funky. Sure. Yeah. And it's said that Walk This Way by Aerosmith, that riff was written after Joe Perry saw the meters play. Yeah. Right. Now, if they have any national hit, I guess it would be Sissy Strut. Yeah. Yeah. And around here, they all ask for you. They all ask for you. And, yeah. Uh, hey, Pocket Way. Yeah. Those are the songs that people want to hear. Now, Alan Toussaint, use these again use these guys as i said as kind of their house band for sansu enterprises right when you were working at c saint recording studio did they come in as a band did they come in as session musicians and play yeah they would individually they would come in as session musicians but every now and then they'd come in as a band as session musicians always to back people up uh irma thomas seems to come to mind you saw you saw the meters back up Irma Thomas in the recording studio. Yeah, that seems to come to mind. Uh, they would come in occasionally, sure, and we would record other people like Dr. John. But Dr. John usually had his own band. Wowie! So this is the meters. In fact, let's just play the one that, since we are uh, you know around the country on different radio stations, let's play the one you probably know. It's Sissy Strut here on Rock School. There are the meters, Sissy Strutt here on Rock School. I had a, um, a student who started playing the bass guitar because of that song. Oh, wow. Right, and he's playing sort of semi-professionally right now. Once he heard that bass riff, he's like, I got to do that. Oh, those guys were so funky. Oh, yeah. They had, it, they had it down to an art. Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. This has to come up. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Katrina came through, and Alan Toussaint wrote it out in New Orleans. Yep. Right. But you couldn't stay. You had to go. He went and resettled himself in New York City. Right. And music came out of it. He recorded an album with Elvis Costello called River in Reverse. Yeah, he did. Have you listened to it? Do you know the album? I have listened to it. I don't own it, but yes, I've listened to it. I pulled it when I was reading, you know, getting this show ready. I pulled it up and had it stream behind me while it's going on. Um, 
there are some unbelievably good songs on it. And I'd like to play one of those before we get to the final break. And I'm going to ask you some questions about Alan Toussaint. So this is from River in Reverse. This is Alan Toussaint and Elvis Costello on Rock School. Final break here on Rock School as we're talking about the life of Alan Toussaint. Gave you some facts. And again, Dave Perricone, who was hired your first job in the world of recording uh, by Alan Toussaint. You said off air that you went back to see the building that Sea Saint Studios was located within. And it is now a... A hair salon. Doesn't that hurt? It killed me to say it like that. Time marches on. It has to. You know, Hurricane Katrina changed a lot of the landscape. But there were so many great albums and things that came out of that building. I mean, we're talking Paul McCartney's Venus and Mars and things like that were yeah. all recorded right there. That was, I mean... If I'm not mistaken, parts of Graceland. Paul Simon's yes, Graceland. that's right. Exactly right. Paul right, Simon. we played in there. Do me a favor. For the last break, give us... Give us one little piece of, since I mean, since you made your living doing this, recording bands and all of that, give me one piece of advice to wrap up the show that Alan Toussaint gave to you that has stuck with you like glue for the rest of your life. He taught me about producing that if the band writes a song and you're producing it, don't ever forget it's their baby. Don't try to force anything down their throats. You, you guide them, you advise them, but it's still their baby. And you try to suggest, you try to advise, but ultimately they get final say. And you have to respect that. Always respect the, the band's decisions. You don't, you don't try to overrule the band. You always respect their decisions. Fair enough. That's a good thing to end on. Mm-hmm. We'll wrap it up with Dr. John and a song that was produced by Alan Toussaint, and it's a fair enough song. Everybody knows Right Place, Wrong Time. Yep. This one's called Life, and we're going to finish up. Thank you so much, Alan Toussaint. The music will go on forever. Thank you. Dave, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. All right. That'll do it. Class is dismissed. Class is dismissed.